You are now listening to Out of the Blank. 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 Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. Back with my good friend, friend, friend. We, we're good friends, I'd say. I mean, we like each other's tweets. We don't really talk to each other at all. We just show a social media presence. But I mean, that works. Yeah, definitely. It's um, you know, following you, interesting. You know, following your uh, podcast and all the people you're talking to, and you know, raises some uh, interesting uh, discussions here with uh, me and. Um, friends and acquaintances so yeah it's just good because i my show for instance it's education whether it's good or it's bad i don't know you got to take what you get from it sometimes somebody will say something that'll be like i didn't know that and then other times you're like what are they talking about he's narrating the weather saying that there's a giant monster from the sky that eats people and i'm like that's a way better way of looking at like a hurricane than how everyone's like it's a category four or it's a category five. I'm like, can you narrate it a little bit better? It's all I want to know. I think the best part about life, having your own opinions, having your own thoughts. Um, you could probably speak best to that. I mean, the fact like you used to be an ex Jehovah's witness and then now you're not anymore. So like that whole freedom thing is like, it's, that's fascinating to me. I mean, first of all, I think we talked about it on the first episode that you were on was like the whole entire coming to grips with it. When did you start realizing and everything like that? But like what I've been getting interested in is the people that want to put their life mission to literally help these people associate back into society because it's like you're a kid being an adult for the first time going out into the world. You don't have any knowledge or any understanding really of how the world works outside of what they've shown you or what they've taught you. Yeah, no, no I, I get that completely. And um, I mean, there's a uh, another podcast that I've, you know, sort of a dip into, I think it's um, called um, Not the Weaker Vessel podcast. Um, it's a, a lady over in California who obviously, um, I think she was, um, grew up in, a, in evangelicalist, um, met a chap, um, got married, and they became Joe's witnesses because his family were. And she was in it for, you know, years and years, and then coming out. And, you know, even the way you, um, you know, process emotions, even the way you process, um, you know, boundaries, you know, it, it within, let's say, um, as you're saying, that just, it's so difficult, like uh, leaving your children with someone that you say is should be trusted. But you realize, well, that's that's not the case. You know, you have to be certain, 100 percent certain for, you know, when it especially comes to the um, security of your children. And. People don't have that or like, especially to say within within that faith, they don't have that. It's because they're told that everyone within these boundaries are safe, are you know, you can trust them 100%, but you don't know what happens, you know, as soon as they're out of sight, you know, what, what could be, uh, you know, happening? What could be the case? Do, do uh, you feel like you're a bit more vulnerable to like certain things or certain, like um, getting swayed into another group? Sometimes I've always heard that with like ex cult people that have been involved in something, they feel like they can be malleable a little bit more manipulated easier. And it's weird because the best example I can give you is the Canadian lawmaker who now twice, now twice 
has now been naked on a Zoom call, which is why before we started the Zoom, let us know that we are recording because they had to add that in because he keeps saying, I didn't know I was being recorded, but it's twice now. So I'm like, is it like a a weird, like you keep going back to it or something like that? Because I mean, it's got to seem kind of hard that you've been like so absorbed into this thing. And I think that's the issue with power, right? I mean, we can sit here and say how, were the we would totally change the system. We would change all these things. Much like if I ran for office or something, God forbid, I would never do that. But if I ran for a presidential election, I would have all these amazing guidelines to go by saying, I'm going to do this when I get into office. I'm going to do this when I get into office. I'm going to do this. And then either you get in there and you realize you have less power than you think you did, or the power goes to your head and you just start going, I can't please everybody, but I'm going to make my life as easy as possible. And that's why you see all these politicians and all these people that when they get power, they forget about the people behind. I think, um, you're, are you a gamer? Yes. Yeah, I do game. You remember Fable 3? Oh, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. Amazing game. But remember in the beginning mm. with the promises and then you get to become king and then every single person that you promise that help you get into the position that you are now in come to you and ask to keep your promise. It starts off with like the first promise is really simple. It's only going to be like a thousand dollars compared to whatever budget you have. And then as you get to the last promise, it's like, are you going to? dig a mine in the giant natural preservation of the land, destroy the whole land, make everybody's property value go down? Or are you going to keep your promise, lose the giant hit of money, and then just keep the land nice and your people will love you? And the big question at the end is, whatever you choose, however you wrap up this story, you're either going to be loved by the people or hated by the people, but whatever decision you make has a cause and effect. And I think that's the same thing best example really of like a power thing it's so hard because it's so corrupting if you give me the opportunity to tell someone i can make someone do whatever the fuck i want i would reject it flat because i know that would go straight to my head because eventually i'm gonna be like i want you to lick my toes and you're like what and it's like lick my toes because i can make <laughs> you do that yeah well no I, I i completely get you i mean like um you know going back to sort of your first point i think like you know someone leaving um you know a sort of a a, a faith a control group um, you know, there is definitely a vacuum. There's definitely a, um, a sense of purpose that you suddenly don't have. And it can be very easy to rush into something else. Um, like I think like I said uh, to you last time, um, like I, I spoke to other people while I was um, a witness and I got them to leave it for other beliefs. Um, you know, I, I got two people basically to become pagan um, because of the mythology, because of the stories, because of the uh, culture about around it, um, and I think you know, I, I mean, I, I've I've always studied it, I've always loved it. I thought it's it's a fantastic sort of world, but I've I've not delved into my gone into followed myself, you know, because I don't want to swap one cult for another, you know. I don't want to, you know. So I think, luckily for me, like um, it was my ex who kind of helped me dig my way out of it and she really sort of um encouraged that uh, critical thinking it's you know about examining sort of teachings examining beliefs examining um you know the people who are in charge and what they're standing for and think you know the people behind them you know the people pulling the strings and you know and like I say when like about then going into like power and politics and things like that and i, I do think that that uh, permeates every sort of part of life really politics does um 
And, you, you know, you do think that, you know, when people get into power, yes, they either get corrupted by power, they are corrupted by greed, um, you know, by this, well, sadly, to be honest, a single person getting into office isn't going to change everything. You need a whole, you know, mass of people. You need a mass movement to change the way the government's going to be or um, the way a community is going to be because, you know, one person is not going to be able to fight 90 other council members who are all, you know, getting, you know, um, you know, backhanders from big business and big corporations and the like. Um, and actually, I've just sort of, you know, just, you just made me sort of think about it, that um, it, over here in England, that, you know, of course, you've got the, much like yourself, you've got the two parties, the Democrats, um, Republicans, we've got Conservatives and Labour. And the Labour movement actually started from working class people, so people who worked in factories, who worked in shops um, and the like, um, and, you know, there were trade unionists and things like that who actually, um, you know, were there on, on the shop floors going, this isn't good. You know, the people I'm, I'm stood next to, you know, in, on this manufacturing line go home and they have to decide whether they, they're going to pay for their rent or they're going to pay for food and feed their families. Um, you know, the amount of people I've, I've heard who will feed their children and they'll not eat themselves because they can't afford it. You know, I've spoken to people in um, America as well who've gone through similar situations and it's it's, well, it's disgusting to think that in in these in a time where you know people are billionaires trillionaires in fact i think some i can't remember who it was i was just reading about recently who's apparently he's a trillionaire and you know that sort of money without even sort of changing his lifestyle he could get completely wipe out you know poverty worldwide Every single person in the world who's going through poverty, you can give them houses, food, you know, income with that sort of money. It's ridiculous. I, I don't know if it's, is it Bezos that owns Twitter? Whoever owns Twitter. Hmm. Do you know? Um, I don't know. Off the top of my head. Whoever um, owns Twitter has enough money where you could literally wrap around the whole entire world from bill to bill, like the end of one bill to the end of another, can wrap around the world 200 times, go back to the moon and earth 30 times, and then still have enough to stack it 10 high. Like those yeah. types of people could end poverty. But it, here's the weird part about the mind is everything is set up for you as much as we want to say this idea of unity, this idea that we all should be together and live in this kumbaya lifestyle. That's completely gone out the window because anything you could examine has sides to it. For instance, I'll bring up another reference to a movie called Grudge Match with Sylvester Stallone and Robert De Niro. When he's fighting in the ring, Sylvester Stallone is, he's got blind in one eye. He's, he's, he knows he should give up before any more permanent damage is happening. But he, instead of giving up and doing what his love of his life, the one that he lost is telling him to do, because now they're back together. He looks out, spoiler alert for anybody listening, but he looks out into the crowd and sees the labor workers that have been laid off from their jobs that they've been employed with him. And he's literally worked with them for so many years hoping that he wins, wanting him to keep going. So he has this push and pull. It's already a sided thing at the beginning. It's really, really strange because I think especially I'm not trying to shame anybody's cult experience, but for instance, the Jehovah's Witnesses is a lot better than if you got sucked into temp people's temple or heaven's gate or whatever those people are. That, but that just shows you, do you think at one point, if, if the Jehovah's Witnesses would have told you that you have to kill somebody, would you are in that much belief that you love this thing and everything that they say is true to where you would actually hurt somebody at the time? Not now, but at the time. Uh, 
Yeah, to be honest, yes. You know, I, I remember a time where, because like, you know, they go door to door. It's like going with the, the teaching that um, Jesus traveled, spreading the news. And I remember at one point, because of like how they taught, they, they basically said that anyone who doesn't believe um, is, you know, committing a sin against God. They're basically, you know, putting the two fingers up and saying, you know, up yours. And honestly, I, I would look at people and I think you are disgusting. And that that was the stage I'd gotten to. And it's like, how is that loving? How is that, um, you know, anything close to Christianity, like what the, the sort of base teachings are? Um, so, yeah, so I, I, do, I do think that, you know, there are people who would have got to that point that if they said, you know, you have to do this. This person is uh, jeopardy to... Um, our faith, our system, our, our world, our hope, you know, they need to basically disappear. They need to die. Yeah. You know, I, th I think I would have. Do you think that it's not the, the op or the power, the opportunity that is given to you because you have so much power, all the commands that really goes to the head, or do you think it's the fact that the way that the power is received is because they use the fear, they tackle you from the fear angle. You're like, if somebody would have told me if I was in so much belief of something that if I did not do this, if I did not hurt this person, if I did not ruin this person's life, I was going to be in the fiery pits of hell for the rest of my entire eternity. Basically, I would be so scared that I would have to do what they say because I don't want to ever, I don't, and nobody wants to suffer. So here's where the power thing is. We look at power as people that are gifted with an opportunity or so much resources that you're never going to be able to touch them. They have way more than you start with more chips on the table, but is power the fact that someone can be so manipulative that they can literally capture upon the one thing that you are afraid of, the one thing that can scare you. And they can be seen as a savior, a false God in a way, you know, I'm, I, I had a, uh, opportunity for a guest that denied me because of your episode. You know, he's a priest and he was like, I'm not doing, you talk so bad about religion. I was like, I didn't say a bad thing about religion. I'm trying to understand experiences here, but this is where it comes into sides. It doesn't, people listening go, well, that, that's the Jehovah's Witnesses. That's that. That's, we all know there's a little bit. It's not just that. It's everything that we have in society is paired up into groups. It's all about trying to classify yourself or label yourself as something you want to connect with the people that have the same similar interests to you rather than talk to the people that don't have anything in common with you. And it's very, very strange because when you really get down to the surface of things, you'll find out that you have more in common with people you would think that you would never be able to have a conversation with in a million years. But you have to understand you have to open up that door for that acceptance of the thing. That was a bad phrasing of words because saying opening up the door to acceptance just made me think I was a priest talking to somebody, but I'm not religious, but you see so many people that will say, and religion, I think the issue right now with it is it's not religion per se. Belief is important. You need belief, but it's the fact that now it's not what it used to be. It's not this thing that used to be like you have belief in something better, something mysterious and wondrous and loving and all these types of care and all these morals to live by. Now it's this thing where someone wants you to listen to them, to sit at them and look at them like they have all of the answers, you know, these sermons that go on and things. And it's like you're doing more damage than you think. I get it. 
you're just somebody loves you so much or someone likes what you're saying. You're basically a prophet in a way of hearing everything that you say, but you got to understand the manipulation and the mind pain of what that person is experiencing, either something in their life that's causing them to attach to this so much, or the fact that now they're out of it and they don't know where to go. They're lost. They're losing and they're having conflicts with who they are as a person. Are you still that person that you wanted to be? Or has everything been controlled by you? It's this weird shift. And that's what I start to focus in on of like, damn, like you're kind of like in this, like very, like you, you put on a good face for it, Harry. Like I'm, 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 I'm okay. I'm okay. But that's gotta be like, sometimes you're just sitting there like, fuck man, like that's lost time. Or that's that to me, that's what I'm thinking. Oh yeah, no, I, I definitely think there are there are days where, I mean, I'm sure everyone probably has it where I, I think I have these really really deep lows, um, and you know those sort of thoughts do come up that you know I've you know you've wasted so much, you've lost so much, and you know you do feel angry and you do feel upset, but at the same time I think you know there's always going forward from here, and additionally though. Um, I mean, like I remember one of your in one of your other podcasts where you're talking about, um, you know, uh, it was mentioned about like we are like what are we? Are we the things that we've heard from people? You know, other other people's opinions. What's our opinion? What's our thoughts? And I thought, well, um, it reminds me of a poem because I like, say because I work at um, Wait, a crematorium. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I gotta start writing the, this shit down and copyright yeah, it or something. I say some yeah. stuff I don't even remember. <laughs> but yeah, there's some. It was many a, a poem that I heard read at a funeral about, you know, we are not our name, we are not our face. Rather, we are the experiences that we've had. We are, um, you know, aspects of our friends. We are, um, you know, all, all those bits that make us are things that we grow from. You know, it's it's the friends that we had ten years ago that we no longer speak to, but they you know, changed us, they had an influence on us, and, and vice versa, we had an influence on them. Um, you know, I, I think of uh, the way I speak, sometimes the way I act, that I go, yeah, that's so-and-so, that's, you know, a relationship I had, that was a, um, you know, a, a close friend, that was someone I didn't like, you know, things like this. It's, and so I do find it interesting that, you know, a lot of us, especially nowadays, it's all about self-identity, that we're worried about losing that or we're worried about um, being someone else. But it's like, but no, you are, you are who you are. And you, we shouldn't be ashamed that we're, you know, kind of picking and choosing these bits that actually sit right with us and make us feel happy and make us feel content. Um, you know, sure, there's, there's a level to it. You know, you don't, you don't want to um, basically follow someone like a blueprint just because they're in the celeb magazines. But if you know if things make you happy and if things sit right with you and you know they're not you know pushing you um out of your comfort zone then these are things you should maybe be quite content to follow and to um evolve in yourself um i mean actually just quickly going back to the thing about the the chap who, who used to come on because he's a priest um i mean like I, I you know admittedly i did speak poorly of religion in the past but at the same time, you know, it does it does serve a purpose. Like, a, like I say, working in a, um, a funeral industry, I speak in, I speak to ministers quite often, especially during this uh, pandemic's um, time when people have been, of course, locked at home and you know, haven't been able to, um, you know, 
socialize. And I have commended them because they, they've all been really good in contacting their um, parishes, you know, speaking to people, checking in with people how they are. They arrange like Zoom book clubs and things like that to get people connected, to get people talking. And I think that's fantastic. That's something I think communities lack nowadays. You know, I, th I think, you know, admittedly, um, I know in another one of your podcasts you're talking about, you, you see a lot of buildings like housing going up and hotels, but no things like community centers. There's no, you know, sports grounds and things like that to actually bring people together. Visual you know, that, therapy. That's, yeah, that's but saying what, what we need is actually people going that I'm, I can talk to my neighbors down the street. I can, you know, everyone on the street might make a football team and play out on the field, you know, you know, once a week. And that's where you get connection and that's where you get support. And admittedly, this could easily go into more politics and more deeper stuff. Well, so it's it that's that's what we talk about when we talk about like in society, at least in what I've examined from it and from what I've seen. I mean, I'm, I like to I used to be a I believe a hundred percent what you were saying about the whole fact of everything we're a constitute of who we are now is a constitute of everybody we have ever met every influence that's ever been in our life. I mean, that's just like from your genetics down to your environmental influences onto what you think or what you feel as a person. But I start to wonder how much of your thoughts are really your own thoughts. Are they influenced by something else? And this is where the tear and the, it's kind of like a grilled cheese sandwich. Um, when someone pulls it apart and you see the cheese slowly start to like come apart a little bit, that's kind of how society and yeah, that's kind of how society and people are right now on an aspect of we don't know if what we're doing in our life is something that we wanted to do or is it something we're stuck doing because life is so damn hard. And it really becomes crazy because I think this is why people freak out with politics and the government is because on an aspect of especially for me too, I look at it like what the like it, I can't do anything I want to do. I can't find out who I want to be when I start realizing that everything is telling me this and it's actually not like that. It's actually something different. It's actually about understanding. When you read a news headlines, why I get upset with this type of stuff is you're being controlled slowly but surely. You know, I had a brief amount of time where I was flipping out about the Chinese government, the CCP, because they control people and they put them in slave camps still today. I can't affect what's happening over there, but I can sure as hell not support it. And that's when you start really looking at the things that you can affect into your own life. People nowadays, there used to be stigmatized topics that you do not bring up at a dinner table. It used to be told all the time. Can you name what those topics are? Or the two right off the top of your head? Well, sex is easily one. So, you know, generally it's sex relationships. You know, that's not sort of a... Two giant societal topics that you, you never you never want to bring up at a dinner table. Oh, politics and religion, they say. Bam! There you go. Bingo. Oh, yeah, Hit yeah. the hammer right on the head. Don't ever talk <laughs> about those because that leads into people getting angry and upset. Now it's like, let me tell you everything. People introduce themselves with their political party or they introduce themselves by what they believe in. And then they try and change that person instead of accepting the open confrontation or the open conversation outlet of things. I talk about energy exchange on my show. This is what this is. This is me having a chat with you. No matter wherever it is, there's no script, but it's just going to talk and we're going to examine each other's thoughts and have a nice lovely chat we can talk about some topics we might feel strongly about we might have different opinions but it's an energy exchange if you're giving me energy i'm going to give some back to you you have to be willing to accept and receive that and not trying to change who you are as a person people look for guidance in their life they ask people close to them they ask people that seem like they have a higher pedestal than them but when you really come down to the base roots of things, you really have to look inside yourself to figure out where you want to go. And here's the part is when you're so involved in something that's been controlling you, I even for me, 
I've been feel like I controlled everything, the education system, all these things that are happening around. I start to wonder, am I asking myself and do I want to do what I want to do inside of myself? Do I see, or is it something that someone told me is the safest bet? And I'm just so afraid of struggling that the best thing for me to do is to get a degree to get an education, to get a high paying job. So I never have to worry about when those bills come in because I've seen the struggle what happens when you don't have money to afford things. I've seen things be taken away by the government. I've seen things happen when you cannot make a payment on something, things get shut off, you starve. I don't wanna be that person that I used to be a little kid and walk around and be like, look at the homeless person, that's horrible. I would never wanna be in that position. And that fear keeps you doing things that you don't wanna do, keeping you miserable to the point where you eventually put a gun in your mouth. It's horrible to say but it's fucking real shit and that's when you start to wonder like what's the fix is it having more conversations because i i see a lot of talking going on in the world but it's not conversations it's fucking i'm gonna tell you all my shit and then you're gonna listen and then i'm gonna walk out the door it's not really an open platform for being able to talk and that's why i have this show it's whether you want to get serious whether you want to get fun with it it's supposed to because I think it's small steps like this where you connect with people. I would have never met you without this show. I would have never met you without Twitter. I would have never met you without social media. There's benefits and avenues to these things. And I've come across people I don't agree with at all. You know, what they would call woke people. There are some people like woke was intended to be a good thing. Then it's horrible shit now. Like, it's just like people like on, on Twitter just saying the most. I had a dude said happy memorial day i hope you're driving your ford f-150 to all the grounds where backbreaking slaves made your grounds and i'm like what how do you get from the troops and all that what memorial day is supposed to be to that tweet and it's like you realize that it's not their fault it's the groups that they're in it's everything that they've been shown their perspective of the world is 100 percent different from yours sometimes you get so involved into it you have to feel like you have to act so rash because you need to see this change when really you've been kind of manipulated and swayed into a certain way and this is when we talk about the ccp with china they're buying up our education systems in the uk and in the united states and they're convincing. It's why a lot of these kids that are coming up, millennials that are so what they call woke, it's because the government is trying to show you all, the, or not uh, the Chinese government is trying to show you that your government is fucking horrible. And they're kind of pinning you against your own nation because what's easy way to take over someone or what's an easy way to get people to believe in you or to want you to make change is when you can get them fighting with themselves. You can get them hating where they live and they want change. Yeah, divide, where they're yeah, going dividing. To yeah. 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 Yeah, no, I, I I get where you're coming from, and it's um, you know, I think um, really, I think uh, the thing is, our power as say you know working class as just people is our numbers. Um, you know, I, I just thinking about like um over here in the, the UK, um, I'm not sure I'm sure you've heard of Margaret Margaret Thatcher. Yeah, and she she put in this thing called the uh, poll tax. So basically, what that is because um, normally you're taxed on your income so it's a percentage and it was fair and like you know um, and then of course where that comes to your houses so the cost of your house you pay a percentage but what she was going to do was basically make it the same everywhere the problem there is someone who's earning you know 10, like 20k a year or 50k a year is 
paying the same amount as someone who's you know 18k or you know barely you know barely making enough to feed his family um so this mass basically a mass movement of trade unionists of um you know socialists of labor basically said no we're not going to pay it and here in the town i live in northampton was the first man he was a pensioner who they basically because he said i'm not going to pay it they came to arrest him and much like as um, be seen with the uh, in glasgow with um some uh, immigrants who were going to be deported, you know, people just came out en masse, blocked the streets, the bailiffs couldn't get to this guy to arrest him, and they just went, yeah, okay, we're not doing it. And that's the thing, you know, we have the power, and anyone who's in, in power, their power comes from the people following them, people listening to them, and what it just requires is people to question, to talk, um, and say, no, we're not, we're not listening, agreeing with that. And then stand against it. And then, you know, anyone in power, their position, their power is gone. Just like that. Just takes, you know, people just to go, no, we don't agree. When you really start to look and examine the dartboard of problems that we have in every single country, just anything that happens to do with money or power, you think you can label it down to like, all right, well, let's, let's examine money, for instance. Why the hell is money so corrupting? Well, because money, if you really look at it, is a gateway or a doorway into any dream or anything you want to accomplish in life. And without it, you're not going to be able to even pursue it. That's the perspective I look at it through instead of people look at it like it's just a piece of paper. Well, if you live in, let's say, for instance, if we ask richer people, people that have maybe $500,000 a year or something like that compared to a $10,000 statue of living or something, and they have to pay the same taxes. Well, the rich person's going to be like, that's not fucking fair. You're going to punish me because I'm a go-getter and I'm accomplishing my goals. It's not seen as like, since you have more money, you mind helping out with taxes a little bit. No, no, no. It's seen as now you want more from me because I'm doing better. So should I slow down? It's like, you're stopping me and you're, no, it's bullshit. I'm not going to pay that. That's the issue of how people are looking at it. And it's true in some aspects of things. If I had a billion dollars or something and somebody asked me to pay more because I have more money, I'm like, you're punishing, you're punishing me. You should be incentivizing me to go get my dreams, go get my goals. But if you pitched it this way, would you mind giving a small portion of that money to be able to help out a charity or help out these things? And people go, well, celebrities do that all the time for the optics they do it because it makes them look fucking good. When someone donates, who's a famous celebrity, $80 million to the charity for the blind, you look at them like they're an amazing person. But then there's the people looking at it like they got a tax break because they donated to a charity. That's why Trump did a lot of donations and shit like that. It's for fucking tax break. Kim Kardashian does it too. But that's the issue. Then here comes where I talk about the power being the issue as well too. You start to realize you can't please everybody. And once you have that thought that comes into your head that everyone, no, no matter what I said in this podcast, someone's going to take it, the, take it a horrible way and want to see me burn at the pitchfork or burned at the stake. I don't know, but in good company. Yeah. <laughs> but there's people that will hear it and be like, yeah, you're right. But it's the issue of you're not going to be able to please everybody. And once you understand that you're a lot less caring about what you do, and that's what happens when you become a president. You, everyone, I think, at, at wants to be loved. I think everybody wants everyone to love them, wants them to look up to them and have that type of power that a cult leader would have, but doesn't want to do the horrible acts. But mm -hmm. then 
you find out that you no know, one person, there's always that one person that's going to heckle you or want you to see you fail or something like that. And you realize I can't please everybody. So then that thing starts to be like, well, why do I care about everybody's love? I can't please everybody. So I'm going to do what I'm going to do because I want to do what I want to do. And that's when it starts going down this long decline of now you're going to be this horrible person because you feel like you're making your life easy and your family's life easy. The best example I can give to you, sorry for ranting. Um, but the best example is my buddy, Jason, that was on my podcast. And he was telling me, he goes, Robbie, he goes, you only care about the people that you care about the people that are in your life, the people that you fucking know. He goes, if I were, he goes, we're friends. I'm like, I hope we're friends. He goes, if someone had a gun to your head and then says some random person, I don't know, you know, I'm going to choose you, you know, you choose one, you know, I'm going to choose the Robbie. Cause I know Robbie, but if there was a gun to your head and a gun to my wife and I go, Oh, I'm fucked because he has a deeper connection with that person. The people that matter in the world or in your mind is the people that matter to you, the people that you know personally. It's very hard when you have all these giant groups of people together to know each individual person and care about what's happening into their life. That's why in any job I've ever worked in, I've made sure that it was a small group of people because I like it when the boss says, happy birthday. Oh, this. I like that. When someone, if I got a group text from, that's why I didn't work at Walmart for very long. It's all a fucking mm. company. They see you as a digit. It's when money becomes the priority and a person's happiness or getting to know the compassion or empathy for others becomes the secondary. It becomes the shotgun seat in the car rather than being the driver. And now it's been reduced to the trunk. You're now in the fucking trunk. This is when we start to examine things and start to realize that you can't affect every single person. You cannot help every single person. You cannot care for every single person, but you shouldn't try your hardest or do all these things in selfish intent that's going to affect someone else's life. You can say how you feel and understand their perspective as well as the best you can do. And I guarantee you, after a generation of just people acting that way, you're going to see some change. You're going to see this little flower that starts sprouting out of this volcanic ash. And that's what that's what's got to come to. We're not going to wake up when we're going to sit here and tear each other apart in my country, in your country, in whatever country, and be able to fight over the simplest shit. You need to sit down. Remember that um, in, in parks and movies, for instance, they would have a chess table. And then yes. you'd see one person playing chess by themselves. Mm. Never did another fucking person come down and play chess with that person in any movie I've ever seen, unless the dude was dead and he was a ghost and he was like, fuck, I got to play chess with this guy now. Apparently, this is what I have to do to move on to the afterlife. But I've they have those in my town. Nobody ever fucking does that unless they know the person. It's never like, hey, mind if I play a game with chess with you? Because you're either too afraid to strike up the conversation and the fact that you might be affecting someone or bothering someone when they need alone time or. You're afraid that it's going to lead into an altercation. And that's mm. when it gets to this deep root of now you're missing opportunities and you're missing chances to maybe have a connection, you know, maybe have this type of thing. I can tell you through the podcast that I've met people I would have never thought in a billion years I would have met. I, I was shitting on a movie, for instance, Bird Box. I called it a horrendous piece of shit. And the guy I was talking to goes, hey, my buddy wrote the book to that movie. He got paid a lot of money for that movie. And I was like, 
Well, it wasn't the movie. It was Sandra Bullock. I didn't back down, (laughs) but at the same time, it's a random thing where the one movie I choose to call a piece of shit in that episode happened to be the one that his buddy had wrote the book for and he got paid the money for the movie and all that. I just didn't like the casting options. I think it was an overall okay movie, but that would have never happened. You don't understand that you could open up that one door and that dude be like, you're a good guy. Let me give you a job. And then it just goes from there. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I get that. And it's, it's um, you know, I, I do think there's this, like you're saying about the sort of chess, like people are afraid to connect and afraid to, um, you know, just make those steps. But also I do think that relates um, more to the locations. Like, um, you know, of course, like I say, li- living in a city now is very much like that. You can't say hi as you pass someone down the street, just you know, maybe a nod that's it you know that's that's as polite as you can be that's as as um you know connected you can be but you know when i lived sort of out in the villages and things like that there there were people that i you know would chat to just in passing on the street and you know you could and it was it was things were a little more open a little more connected and um you know and so i do think we are slowly disconnecting and you know maybe it is partially you know the accessibility of TV, of our computers, you know, you, you've got social media, which you can just, you can just talk to just friends on and isolate yourself and it's fine and it's approved. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I, I do think we are sort of stepping back or losing this um, ability to talk, to communicate, to connect with people. Um, I mean, like I say, in my own experience, like sort of kind of counter what you were saying is, after I was, um, say, outed from the uh, witnesses, um, I used to sort of finish work, just go to a, a pub, just have a, you know, something to eat, have a meal, and then head home. You know, was, I didn't have like friends because all my friends were in the uh, witnesses at the time. And I just remember one day going into this pub, and there was a guy at the bar who just sort of looked up, saw me, and he was like, "All right," and he was like, "What are you drinking?" And to me, that was a little bit like. Uh, I don't know. So I was just like, well, I'll have whatever you're having. Turns out he mistook me for someone else and being polite, and maybe this is an English thing, but being polite, I was like, oh, I think I'll get him a drink. And then I'll kind of say, I think you've mistaken me for someone else. But by the time I got him the next drink, he'd said something else to made me think, maybe we do know each other. Anyway, long story short, we spent the whole night sort of talking. It came out that he had mistaken me for someone else. And we just made friends with so many other people there, just randomly talking with people from other tables, getting involved. And it became like a weekly thing. We'd all go to the pub. We'd all just sort of chat, have a drink. And I think at one point there was like 25, 30 of us all just sat around together talking. And, you know, it's it's still there. And people, I think, are still open to it. It's just strange. It's but it's yeah, like I say, it's it's definitely odd to approach someone and go, you know, do you want a game of chess and you know, open up that dialogue and open up that um you know opportunity to create something more than just a you know passing you know meeting. I think um for instance for social media for me, I post and ghost, so I've eliminated any notifications I get besides an instant message message or a direct message. I don't get likes, I don't get any of that stuff. I think it's important to do that because I extend this to you. I extend this to any guests that I have. If you need to get a hold of me, just reach out. Don't think I've forgotten about you. I haven't forgotten about you. If I come across your tweet, I'll like it. But it's an aspect of 
you cannot let your whole entire day be consumed by it because when you spend countless hours being on it and being involved, if you feel the need to chat with me, chat with me. That's it. I say, hey, Rob, mind if I come on the show again? Fuck yeah, let's do it. Let's coordinate a thing. I'm not ignoring anybody. And that's what people feel like when you don't interact with them on a daily basis through social media, when you don't come across them like I thought we were friends, what's happening? You don't like my posts anymore. It's not that. It's that it's so hard right now to try and find out who you are, what you're going through. You can only handle so much and getting on social media, you're starting to handle the whole world. You're starting to realize that there's all this going on. I mean, I came across 50,000 tweets yesterday because some woman made an anti-vax shirt and she put a star of David on it. And people are like, the Nazis would give those to the Jews to make them think that, you know, to mark them as that they're they're Jewish, so they would know and be warned by whatever. And then people they get closed down the business, and it was like all this anti-Nazi. I was like, I if you actually sat and talked to that person and asked why they did that, they would have probably not even thought of the whole Nazi thing. But you turned it into that, you know. I have Jewish heritage, but I'm not going to, you know, sit there and be like, oh my god. I just looked at it like fuck. Like I don't know. People want to. Th- throw each other up on the barbie or throw each other up on the grill and just see them burn like like it's it's literally like the salem witch trials you're literally watching people just get torched in front of everybody and just made a mockery of or be hated by everyone and it's like guys we're we're not functioning properly no country nobody's functioning properly we all have our problems but if we're not sorting through our problems and we're just going to keep creating more you're not causing change you're not fixing any change and what i want to reiterate here is the fact of i'm not saying religion is bad but just like anything that has power it can be corrupting and it can be taken and used by someone who doesn't have the best interest at heart and that's what happens a lot of times i have strong feelings about when i hear someone that has truly lost their way because i'm in that position i have strong feelings when i hear about someone say that they can't talk to their family anymore because whatever a certain thing won't let them it becomes this thing of like what is happening How did we get to this point where now you can't, a whole entire option avenue, someone that literally produced you, you cannot even talk to on an aspect of you don't believe in what they believe in. We should never be at that much of a point where we can't open up the realm or be able to interact because our views are so completely different. That should be even more of a reason to talk, a more of a reason to understand the other person's perspective and really evolve from it. Mm. No, I agree completely. You know, like me and my best friend, I think we there's um, things, topics we completely disagree on. And you know, we're, we're quite than, more than happy to sit and, you know, you know we'll, we'll have heated discussions on it, you know, full on arguments. But we'll go away from it having a laugh because just how heated it got. And that, that's healthy. That's, you know, OK. Um, it's the people who, you know, um, villainize you know someone because of their views um, I said like I say that same friend I remember what we were speaking with a, a guy online um, who was quite I don't want to say Nazi-ish but you know like there's there's a lot of this uh, kind of Nordic um, imagery gets pulled into um, Aryanism um, you know white supremacy and things like that and he was very much of that mindset and Every, everyone else online, there was like very much these uh, kind of social justice warriors, um, 
really, really laying into him and calling him all names under the sun. And we started a um, discussion with him, a dialogue, and just going, well, what is it? What, what are the key points that you think makes this okay or gives you your views? And we were actually starting to kind of open him up and he was actually becoming a bit more understanding of what we were saying. Um, you know, and I think that that's, that's the important thing. As soon as people start to attack you because of your views or start to, you say, put these blocks in, in, in a way to, you know, kind of cut you out or isolate you, what you're gonna do is go find out people with very similar views. You're, you're basically creating, you know, groups of um, you know, Zionists and fascists and um, you know, racists just because you don't want to, you know, you don't want any, you know, uh, the chance to discuss with them. You, you think it's um, unhelpful. You think they're you know, monsters, but the thing is, they're not monsters, they're people. They've got to this way of thinking for a reason, you know, because of something. And it's down to people who are more open-minded, who are more understanding to maybe discuss it and allow them to share their views. And at which point you can go, well, have you thought about it this way? Have you, you know, looked at this? I, I read this fantastic article, you know, would you like to look at it? And then from there, you can maybe, you know, open their views and change, you know, how, how they see, see the world and how they see these um, things. I'm not gonna lie, that scared yeah. the shit out of me when whoever that was just said whatever they said. Oh, it was a housemate, yeah. So I was about to say you looked like you were in your house alone, and then I just hear this random voice. I'm like, murder, murder, murder. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think it's, worry, you know. it's an um it's important really when it comes down to the grand scheme of things to whatever you believe in that you have that belief and nobody should ever take that away from you. And the people that have their perspective on things, no one can take your perspective away from you. They can maybe enhance it or they can maybe understand it better. But you can't change the way someone feels about something. Anybody that can really speak on that is me. I have a huge authoritative problem in the world when it comes to when someone tells me to do something, I do the opposite because I don't like being told to do something. I want to be asked. I want to be treated as a person, an individual, the same level as you. And I think that's when the power starts to become this absolute corruption type thing is when you have the ability to make somebody do something. All my managers know that at any job I've ever worked at, you can't just tell Robbie to do something. You got to ask him to do something. And it's like, but it's his job. It's his thing. It's yeah, but you're telling him to go do a specific thing. That's not part of what he's doing as his job. You're asking him to do a little extra. And just because you're above him, you feel like you can't. They all know that that doesn't work with me. You got to just ask me politely. I'll do it. I'll donate a kidney if you ask me in the right way. But if you tell me I have to, I'm going to be like, no, because I don't feel like I have to do anything that you tell me I have to do. But if you ask, you get a lot farther with using, you know, honey than using whatever that saying is that bees are more yeah. attractive it, to honey. Or... Yeah. Honey than the stick. So, yeah, you get you get more with honey than you do with a stick. So it's like, if you really look at it, we're using that stick. We're using that to get people to do what we want and act a certain way and then make them feel horrible and call them all these horrible things like they're racist or they're this because they said something. It, it, it's, it's so fascinating to me how much we disguise in the world all these amazing things of how we're trying to help you as much as possible. But then when you hear that invitation come in and you finally open it up one day to finally accept it, it's nothing. 
You know what I mean? It's like that kind of thing of when you see someone like, I just bought this new house and they found a safe in the basement and then they finally open up the safe. Your mind starts guessing. It's going to be a lot of money. It's going to be something rare. It's going to be something valuable. And you open it up and there's nothing in there and your dreams are crushed because you realize all these people that sit there and tell you that they're there whenever you need them. And then when you actually need them, they're not there. I do not offer that to anyone unless I mean it. And I'm 100% a man of my word when it comes to that. And I think more people should aspire to not promise things, but make sure that when you do say something, you intend to back it up with something. You know, that's a lot of the issue I think people have with the world right now is that there's a lot of these false promises and these flags of I'm on your side that are more than willing to stab you in the back as soon as you say something that they don't agree with or something that maybe they like uh, Seth Rogen, for instance, and James Franco. Mm -hmm. What Seth Rogen said about James Franco being accused for sexual allegations that I don't really understand, I don't know of, but he said, he goes, I don't haven't talked to him and I haven't planned on working with him. Okay. I don't, I didn't have plans to talk to you, Harry, but I had plans today. You know what I mean? Like I didn't have plans until two hours ago. So it was like, that's, I could say that's anybody you friends with Harry. You talk to Harry. I don't, I'm, I, I, I don't talk to him right now. No, I don't have any plans in the future with him, but then we, made plans but the way the article said it made him look like he was throwing his friend under the bus and you start mm. to realize that people want to get that drama people want to find out what's going on people want to pin you against the people that you want to make connections with that you should be making connection with that are your friends but then they don't want to be thrown down and dragged down the sinking ship with you so they're throwing you under the bus because they feel the need that they have to because they don't want to lose everything that they have that's when it starts becoming this weird corruption and twisted mechanism where it's like, we're all fucking people, right? I'm pretty sure we're all human unless you're like what they say about Hillary Clinton where she's a reptile, but we're people. And you got to yeah. understand is that there's already so much for us to be worried about that we shouldn't be tasking on another problem on top of that. Yeah. No, I, I yeah, I get that completely. And, you know, I do think there's a level of drama, I think, people almost crave it's entertaining you know yeah i see yeah there's a level which is entertaining but additionally though it's like you don't have to go all out like um like a, i remember a group of my friends that there was always seemed to be some sort of drama in between them and the the sad thing was that you for some reason had to pick a side you're on his side or you're on her side and it's like well no because i'm not involved and I think that that really shocked them. They were kind of like, well, you're not you with me. Forward. You're against me. That's the old yeah. saying. Exactly. It's like, you know, sad as it is, my um, my friend um, was a little bit of a bad boy. He, uh, you know, had he an affair. And his, his, yeah, his, his <laughs> wife related that him. to an affair. Good on you. Good on you. <laughs> but, you know, no, so it's, you know, it's sad. So his wife left him. You know, it, it was his fault. But. I'm not condemning what he's done. I'm not condoning it. He's done it. He's a bit of an idiot doing it. And that's it. However, we've been friends for, you know, at least a decade. And he's been there, you know, during my hard times. I'm going to be there with him during his. I'm still friends with his wife as well. And she's like, yeah, fine. You know, that's, it's, it's great that you've got, you know, he's got that support with you. And I'm like, yeah, and things are fine. That's and how it should be. Yeah, it doesn't need to be this drama. It doesn't need to, you know, involve everyone. You don't need to pick sides. You know, I think everyone, you know, when it comes to this, 
everyone's got some fault in it. You know, you're rubbing up someone the wrong way, so they snap at you and then they seem like a dick. And okay, but step back and have a look at it and go, yeah, I can see what my fault was in it. Admittedly, the you know, retaliation was, you know, uncalled for, but, you know, grow up, be adults about it, be mature, talk. I just you know, had that, that happen this morning. Um, I was doing one of my exercises in my workout and this guy came up to me and every time he's come up to me so far, it's been like a couple hundreds of times. Um, just in the past time I've worked at this place for like a year and been working out there goes how long you got on it so i knew that's what he was asking for because he kept staring at me the whole time like i could know he was waiting for me to get off this machine and then as he came up he sat on the machine beside me doing like a quick workout looking over at me i was like oh if he asked me i'm gonna snap on him i'm gonna tell him dude i i can't handle it right now but then i you know i put my headphone out of my ear and he goes how you doing man and i'm like i'm doing all right man how about yourself and then we just got chatting and found out he's in the police force he's retired he um was uh, working in Pennsylvania, which is a couple states away from me for the past 24 years. He's got his pension and everything. He works as a cop at one of the schools I used to go to. We start striking up a chat and you realize it's just like people, you know, you assume a lot and you really don't know. And then when you act, you totally cut that branch off forever. If I would have snapped on him, I go to work there. So when I work, I'm going to see him at the same time he always comes in and it's going to be awkward and it's going to be all these things. And you realize, no, you're missing out on a completely different conversation or a completely connection based on what you've seen or what you've understood about a person when really you don't know them at all. Hmm. No, yeah, I get that completely. And, you know, I think I've had multiple cases where I've met people who at one point I would have had opinions on, you know, where, just the way they dress, the way they behave. Um, and I, you know, I, I probably wouldn't have given them time of day, but you know, becoming a bit more open, a bit more understanding, um, I, you know, you can easily just start to, you know, um, strike up conversations with people. And you know, I, I find myself, you know, I, I consider myself quite approachable. You know, people are more than happy to come up to me and you know talk and you know make friends and things Do like that. Do they ever touch so, your beard? Not often, actually. That's Every sad. now and then, I think early on, like a couple of years ago, people would be, be like looking at it, they'd be like, Can I stroke your beard? And you're like, Okay, give it a go. You know, honestly, is, during that is, COVID, it probably died down a little bit, but yeah, yeah. And admittedly, when you're wearing a mask as well, it doesn't look as grandiose, so <laughs> which is a shame. It really sort of a you know. I would open up the door for you to elbow me in the face if I went up because I would what I would do. I would go up and just immediately grab your beard, and then you'd just be like, Okay, and here's <laughs> that, and then we could talk afterwards. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's um, well, I'm, I'm right, you know, people just want to touch it, fine, you know. So, you know, it's some other things. If anyone comes with scissors, that's, you know, that's I'm on what, edge. That's, you, you, that's when you double elbow, you just hit them. I'm a real yeah. fan of that elbow that knocked me out. Yeah, yeah, that's not, you know, definitely not going to happen. So, um, but yeah, no, it's um, got where we were for a moment, you know, just a, yeah, that's just say it's like struggling conversations with people. So um, you know, I mean, like like this, like you you contact me out the blue, which was strange. You know, it's a could have said the I show never... name on that one, but you didn't. You said oh, out of the, the blue. blue. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I could have. Oh, now, look, it. look, it all comes go, together. We'll you understand and... the name of the show now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's um, you know, I, I think at one point I never would have even considered it, but this is this is fun and it's it's interesting talking to people and i say like i say i've been listening to your channel and listening to people with from all walks of life and all views views that some i don't don't agree with i find a bit strange but at the same time it's interesting to get their views and to see you know, you know think what they 
think and hear, hear, you know, hear that sort of stuff. I've thought about maybe putting a ex-cultist or ex-Jehovah's Witness in with a Jehovah's Witness and seeing how that conversation went. But I, I don't, I'm not that guy. I can't, I can't manage that. I can't do that. The best I can do is talk to you one-on-one, understand your thoughts and your perspectives of things, talk to that person, and maybe they look at your episode and understand where you're coming from. Because the issue is, is when you get into a room with someone that's a Republican and a Democrat, you're already on a side. And all you're trying to do now is defend your side. You're not thinking about understanding theirs or trying to do this. It's not about swaying opinions or swaying thoughts. It's um best thing I've ever seen about it. I think I mentioned it to you before was, um, the debates about earth is flat and that the earth is round. Well, there's vegan and meat debates. And as soon as they come in and this thing, there's immediately, there's a tension you can slice in the air with a knife of that. I don't believe, and I don't agree with what you're doing. I think you're a horrible person for doing so. And you need to change on both sides. They think that I'm like, guys, find a happy fucking medium, talk to each other, watch that. You're going to understand that you have more in common than you do different. You know, there's, you're all trying to find out what's best for the world, right? You think that hunting's better, explain it. You think that eating plants are better, explain it, talk it out. Instead, people look at it like you're trying to take what I believe in. That's not what it is. It's a fucking understanding type scenario here. We're not trying to do anything more than that. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I get that. And I think, you know, I really actually, I had a very similar thought about, because I know like last time you were saying a you know, um, you know, anything I sort of do, and I was having this discussion once again with my friend, and um, about possibly doing a podcast where you, I think online you see troll trolls, you know, people who basically they, you know, much in the same same way as vegans and the like that, they'll come in with something and they'll just, it's all about riling people up, but getting those people in with the. Well, I might, you might say they're victims and get them to discuss and just be a mediator. Just go, look, this is what you were talking about. Have at it. And then just kind of mediate it, allow them to kind of, you know, have their back and forth. Um, you know, it's, I, th- I think people, you know, like you need to have your voice heard and, you know, people, you know, it's, it's good to, it's good that we have the, these sort of uh, platforms. Just think, you know, people, it's like if you know if you don't agree this the same as some people then you're a villain you're, you're attacked and it's that's not healthy you know it's, it's not a healthy place to um you know come from you have to be able to willing to you know see why people have these views um you know like when you're talking about uh, veganism um i mean a little while ago i think i, I was almost vegan you know bar you know i liked using the uh, chorizo in like pans when cooking and things like that but that's about all the meat I ate for a good while. Um, and, you know, that was just my diet. That was just the kind of things that I was more interested in cooking at the time. Um, you know, I, I disagree with battery farms. I think it is cruel. I do think it's, you know, kind of crap. But it is also, you know, the world we live in. It's capitalism. It's, you know, it's all about making as much profit as possible. So the make, to make as much profit as possible, you've got to make as much product as possible admittedly a lot of that product can go to waste and it doesn't matter because they're not losing anything they're still making money um and i think so i think you know when people look at battery farms and trying to shut them down you know you have to look at the bigger picture you have to go well actually it's these companies these these people that are you know making the money off it we have to you know change that that's where we have to start making the change and yeah so you know people sort of attack things because they're angry but 
you know, so you need to be able to take a step back and be critical, have a, you know, have a think, have, you know, examine these things, do your research. Um, and only then can you really make a change and, you know, well, hopefully in the, in the you know, future, we can change the whole world by doing this sort of thing, you know, changing the fishing industry, changing the food industry, you know, um, our nutrition as well, you know, everything, every sort of step you can go, well, actually, you know, we can change it because, you know, there, there is a, there is a route. There's, there's the mark people who market it. There's the people who are profit profiting off it. There's the people who are producing it. You know, there's a head of that snake and you, you can, you know, cut that head off or change it. And it's all about the long game is what I keep reiterating in this show is it's all about the long game is that people want you to be vegan now, or they want you to be vegan tomorrow, or they want you to be vegan in the next year, never use meat ever again. And it's like, you got to think about the long game. Let's try and find a way where our whole entire society isn't structured off the death of an animal and focus on maybe slowly dwindling it down to a point where we're not going to need it that much. We're not going to need to produce it as much. There's always going to be people that want to eat meat. I'm not a meat eater, but I'm not going to say like, if I go to a, a restaurant and they offer me a salad, I'm going to only choose the salad because I'm a fitness guy. But if you offer chicken or steak or a burger or something and I'm in heaven, I'm going to take the burger, steak or whatever, because it's tastier. But here's the funny thing is you got to find the happy medium. You got to understand that everything is a long game when it comes to these industrial farms, when it comes to politics, when it comes to all these things, you got to come to the table clean. And you have to understand that it's not going to change the next night. People think they want immediate results. They want that instant gratification. They want the instant payoff. The long game is the best way to go with things. The fact that it's going to take maybe a generation or two or three generations, but eventually it's going to phase out or it's going to become less than it is before. You know, religion, for instance, is the best example. This used to be a dominant thing back in the day. I mean, anybody would have Christian Catholic. What are you? You know, that type of thing. Now it's like, Nobody asks that because there's 50 something percent of the population that doesn't know what to believe. In. And if they do believe in something, they worship from home. And that's just, it's taken generations upon generations upon generations to get to that point. I'm not saying it's for the good or bad, but I'm saying it's it's a, it's a, it's an example of a long game. If you're going to reduce meat consumption, you have to start with small steps and watch it build slowly over time. When you build a company up from the ground up, a lot of people talk about well, they, that person had a billion dollars, how they started their company. Yeah, but a lot of these entrepreneurs and people that are doing something, they're producing a podcast a day. They're producing a show. They don't have billions of listeners compared to Jake Paul that can record a fucking phone video and get millions of hits. No, they're working the slow game. They're working a long crawl. I do this because I understand the long process of stuff. It took Joe Rogan six, seven years to make money. I'm not, I don't really care about making money on the show. Honestly, I'm having way more fun making clothing doing than doing anything. But it's it's interesting to see that like patience really does pay off mm. yeah no I, I i get that and I, I do think people i think we do live in a society that wants results now um and you know i, I don't think if that's healthy i think it's you know we, we should be able to go actually you know I'm, I'm not expecting you know returns now of course you know the it's sad that you know you you need to pay your bills you need to feed your family you do you know, need, you know, work and you do need um, income now. So yeah, it is. It's not even sad that you need to do those things. It's sad that it costs so goddamn much to be able oh, God, to do yeah. so. Very much so. It's it's ridiculous. You know, like, um, like when we were just saying about veganism, I think, I'm sure 
many people would want would be quite content to do it but it's so expensive it's not it's not affordable it's not sustainable um you know if there if there was a funding into it in in the industry then sure that we could probably be growing suitable amount of food suitable amount of um you know things that give us the you know right sort of nutrition which would lead to this being a, a sustainable thing but yeah at, at the moment it's it's not a you know like really affordable thing it's it's something that someone who is middle class or you know making a, more money can do because you know they're, they're making enough money to grow for those niche bit more expensive shops and things that actually provide decent you know alternative foods so you know yeah i, I definitely agree with you like there's you, you can't just make these changes in you know a couple of days you might we might want to but we can't it's it's that's not not the way things you know work it has to be a, a slow process like you say it is a, is a long game um and rome wasn't built in a day yeah and i think this it's important about then thus having a you might say a program it's about each step of the way so we're doing this first this will result in this so we can go from here we can take these next steps and then this is how we're going to make a change. You know, um, I think early on when I was saying about um, the beginning of the labor movement here, they started off with literally people working in, in factories, trade unionists coming together and saying, no, we need to change. They became councillors, so started running for council in their local communities. They became MPs, and then you had a party. And that that's how it is. It was, you know, it wasn't, um, you know, the, okay let's have a, a a mass party you know we're gonna represent all the working people no it, they it was little steps little steps and they followed their program and then they made made a change admittingly that's been corrupted it's changed now once again going back to your point about power corrupting and now we've got this Keir Starmer in who can't fucking tie his shoelaces because he's mm. you know being paid by god knows who but yeah it's it's ridiculous um yeah, I was about to go off on a rant one. Anyway. Dude, I mean, Harry, this is a, it's been a great chat, my, my, my friend. I've been thinking about it. I was like, oh, man, we talked so much on the first one. I was like, I, I there's, see, that's, that's the funny thing is, is like, there's these things called sports talks where you end up only connecting over someone over a sports thing. We could have laid this whole conversation based on the Jehovah's Witness thing again, but we evolved it a little bit more from that to a deeper perspective, a deeper understanding. Conversations can evolve. You're the one that chooses to keep it in the position that it's at, but you can choose to take it wherever you want to take it. You know, people don't want to step outside of their comfort zone. Recently, it's been very hard for me to get new guests on the show with lockdowns kind of opening back up and people going back to work and trying to work more hours and stuff. It makes it harder to schedule, but also the fact of, People don't want to talk about anything that doesn't that isn't about themselves or isn't about something that they know a lot about. They don't want to be openly invited into something where they don't know what the conversation or questions are going to ask. And that's just the weight of the world. The world is very I give you 100 percent credit for even accepting the opportunity to come on the show the first time or accepting the choice to come on the show the first time. It's a scary thing because you don't know what this person could be about. You don't want to look bad in the eyes of the public. And I, I look at it like. There are people like myself that generally just want to chat and don't want to make you look bad, don't want to do anything like that. And it's hard to get out there. You know, it's 
it's very, very strange. And I think the world is going to get to that point. But like I said, it's all about the long game. When people start realizing that they're not going to benefit from getting something out of somebody, they need to just do it because they, they want to do it. They're actually interested in doing it, not thinking about what's this going to get me? How is this going to affect me? It's a little bit, not really, I would call selfishness, but it's more about just accepting a new experience. You know, the best people that I've heard be able to explain that are people that believe in the universe or people that talk about energies or, you know, Reiki healers, even though I'm not a big fan of the Reiki thing, I understand it. But when they go and say, well, this is just the opportunity I asked the universe for a sign. And then you popped in my DMS and I'm like, all right, I guess I'm a sign from the universe, but it is an acceptance thing. If you need something like that, to be telling you that you need to just open up all realms and experiences, I never know what the day is going to lead to me. You know, people plan their days out. People plan their fucking lives out. You don't know if you get hit by a car one minute. That's the crazy thing is when you really understand that you start to be like, I'm going to take it day by day. I'm going to see how the day goes. If I feel like I wake up in the morning and I have 10 podcasts lined up, but I have a headache. All right. Well, I'm not doing the podcast because it's going to affect the show. You know, it's a hard kind of push and pull scenario to do, but when you really truly understand that you can only affect the things that happen to you, you got to take it day by day. You're less likely to try and control other people around you. Yeah, no, I agree there. And I think it's one of my favorite little things I saw ages ago. Like um, it basically said, you know, do you have a problem? Yes or no? If it was no, don't worry. If it is yes, you ask the question, can I do something about it now? If the answer is no, then don't worry. And the answer is yes, then don't worry. And it's, you know, it's always one of those things just sort of stuck with me because it's, yeah, you, you can't affect everything right now. And until you can, why worry about it? And then when you can do something about it, well, you're doing something about it. So there's no reason to worry about it. Um, so yeah, I think that's just one thing that's always stuck with me, but yeah. Damn, that is a lot better than the way I phrased it. <laughs> no, you, I think you phrased it really good. Like, you know, it's talking about like with the people that you meet, the, these opportunities to speak with people who enter the universe, into energies. And I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting talking to all these different people and having these experiences. You know, I, I do every now and then do talk to people who's into sort of crystal healing and the, the like i don't believe it but it's interesting to see what their views are and how it affects them and how they feel and i think that's the most important thing yeah couldn't agree more harry where can people find you at well of course you can find me on twitter as you know uh, cairns552 or just under the name harry at the moment um of course i'm currently uh, also on facebook um well, yeah writing a book there, but, um, writing a book i am but that's can't, a work in progress um and then also that. yeah well it's a work in progress at the moment um but like i say and also um looking at um hopefully starting our next podcast so i'll keep you updated there so we'll see call it rejected by society standards I like that. Oh, I'll, I'll make a note. Pencil it's that in. It's either a podcast name or it's a book title. I don't know. 